welcome back to the second episode of the Kings of Whiteheart Lane podcast. We are already reinvesting back into the podcast, have a new microphone, so hopefully all of our 24 listeners should have a more enjoyable listening experience this time. And it's pretty. it's been a pretty smooth start for Jose Mourinho so far, three wins out of three. And uh, our guest joining us now, Luke Carell, he's pretty smooth as well. Absolutely no body hair. How are you, Luke? <laughs> Hi, James. I'm good, thanks. Good, thanks. It's been a really enjoyable week. Yeah. Spurs. Pretty perfect so far. In terms of goals scored and everything, it's been pretty all over the place. It's not exactly what I would have expected with Mourinho coming in. It's been a bit more entertaining than I would have expected. What have you... Uh, starting off with Olympiacos, I guess, or Olympiacos, as one of my friends keeps telling me. Um, yeah, what did you make of the performance and uh, what were your kind of positives and negatives of the game? Yeah, well, I was I was at this one, obviously. I was in the, in the side stand for the first time, which was really great. Like, the atmosphere at the beginning was brilliant. Um, uh, yeah, much better than kind of when we're at the Paxton end. But uh, yeah, I guess the start was just so bad. It just felt like we'd completely regressed again. And the first 20 minutes, all I was thinking was like Jose Mourinho's honeymoon is over already. And we're right back to kind of where we were. And obviously then it wasn't Poch at all. It was the players. And we were making Olympiacos look like they were Barcelona. There was, I'm not sure what his name was, but there was a guy playing for them, a really small guy up front. He was just ripping us apart. Every time yeah. he got the ball, it looked like he was going to run circles around a defence and score. Um and yeah, I guess, yeah, going two goals down so quickly as well. And the two goals were so soft as well, uh, which is a disappointing thing as well. Um, it just, it felt like we were kind of right back at square one. I know I know we talked the previous on the previous part about how our back four has like no protection in front of them. And it means that they just get kind of swamped by the players very easily. And I felt like that was happening again. Um, but then the call from Jose to bring on Dyer was like really brave and it's kind of classic him, but it's something that we wouldn't have definitely done under Poch. Um, and it was needed in that game because we just weren't, he just wasn't working in that midfield with wings. It was, they had no control um, of, of the midfield at all. So I wouldn't have brought on Ericsson myself, but I think he was okay. He wasn't like exceptional, but I think it allowed us to play a slightly different shape. And then obviously that goal before halftime that Delhi scored was so important. Uh, incredibly lucky but so important and I think that really just kind of sparked us into life in the second half what did you make of it yeah no exactly the same with just like the disappointment of the the start and we just looked so asleep and it was so different to um that kind of initial bounce that you get with a new manager that all of a sudden third game in you're worrying about or second game in you're worrying about the momentum that we had built from West Ham and his first home game as well. Like for Mourinho, I was already thinking like, oh, this is this is a dreadful start given that like our home form hasn't even been that strong since we've moved into the stadium. So I think it was really important that he got that first win. And uh, yeah, massive decision taking off Dyer. And I think it was completely correct as well. But uh, I would have brought on La Celso instead of Ericsson. Like you say, I don't think Ericsson had a massive impact on the game in terms of general link up play like he had that fantastic cross for Kane's goal and I can't remember really him having a particularly strong game but I think that the, the biggest positives for me were really just the link up play between Ali, Son and Kane like I think Ali was outstanding like he's been outstanding since Mourinho has come in like all the flicks that you kind of relate to 
to Ali have started to come off. He's looking confident again. He's taking players on. He doesn't have any hesitation in his play at the minute. So that was really good. And there were a few negatives, though, for me as well. With uh, Gazaniga, I think he's been really woeful since Mourinho has come in. I think he looks really shaky. I don't know if it's the pressure of trying to perform for Mourinho, such a big-name manager. If that's getting to him, maybe if uh, Mourinho might not have the, the biggest confidence in Gazaniga behind the scenes, because I think he had been very good standing in for Lloris up until Mourinho's come in. So, yeah, yeah. that's something I think Lloris, uh, Mourinho will probably want to look at, because his... His uh, shot-stopping ability, like while he is saving shots at the minute, he's parrying the ball into really dangerous areas and keeping the defense under pressure. So that's something I think we'll need to address if uh, Lloris isn't coming back anytime soon. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I know I know. we will come on to talk about Bournemouth, but in the Bournemouth game, neither of the goals that were scored are really his fault. Um, but there were so many times in that match, as you say, where he just parries the ball into like a really dangerous position. And it feels like he doesn't have the confidence to just catch it and take it into his hands. And that's kind of really worrying. And as you say, it's really strange because I always felt that when he came on before uh, for Lloris, he was so confident and I always felt he slotted really well in. And yeah, he wasn't quite as good a shot stopper as Lloris. Um, but he has different elements to his game that are really good. But he, he never felt kind of uncomfortable, but now he does. It's a bit weird. Yeah, really kind of drastic change all of a sudden. And uh, Danny Rose as well, he had a particularly poor game and it was a good decision as well by Mourinho to drop him for the Bournemouth game because I think the way he defended for the first goal particularly was just really careless. It, it's maybe something you'd associate with Aurier that uh, like just back to the ball and then clearing it into the middle of the, the pitch. And for that first goal as well, Gazaniga definitely should have saved that. That was a, like a really lucky shot like you could tell your yeah. man El Arabi was on his weak foot and uh yeah I couldn't believe that went in when I was looking at the replays but yeah um and the amount of midfield the amount of space in our midfield was also really evident I think in in both games in the Olympiacos game and the Bournemouth game that I don't know if it's it's something that Mourinho is working on at the minute but there seems to be a massive pocket of space for for like uh, the opposition attackers to attack into, I think rather than carrying a high line like Pochettino would have done, Mourinho likes to kind of have his defenders retreat to the edge of their box, and it's kind of inviting players to like take a shot. And I think so far it's it's kind of backfired for us because most of those shots have gone into the net, and I think it's something that we need to look at whether that's brought on by the way our fullbacks are playing at the minute, that one is tucked in slightly more and that we're giving a bit more space for for players to kind of utilise that right-hand side, uh, which Aurier has kind of left open. So I think that's something that we probably have to look at looking forward. But uh, yeah, qualified for the last 16. So I think that's pretty much all that Mourinho could have wanted from the game. And yeah. Yeah, and in a way, it shows kind of good character as well. Um, I know we said about West Ham when we won 3-2 that, yeah, it would have been great to win 3-0, but at least it kind of doesn't let the players get too far ahead of themselves, doesn't let the fans. It shows Mourinho what he has to work on. And kind of a bit with this as well, it was kind of a, a silver lining was that it showed a bit of spirit and a character that I don't think we would have had a month ago to come back from that. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of great to see the players front up and they came out in the second half like a completely different team. They're just so kind of aggressive and so quick and kind of summed up by that goal they scored, that Kane scored with the ball boy um, 
throwing the ball to Aurier. It was like just so, they were just so kind of honest and so energetic. It was great to see. Yeah, and even with, with the ball boy, I think that's kind of like another clever thing that Mourinho is doing at the minute, that he's already trying to build that kind of feel-good atmosphere around the club, that he's inviting this ball boy, like Callum Hines, to the to the pre-match lunch and stuff like that. He's kind of showing more of a human side, which may or not be an act at the minute, but it definitely is It's a good thing. And I think fans, they've already warmed to Mourinho, but I think fans are really starting to see the kind of the good side of him. And yeah, I think it's only, it's only a good thing for, for us to kind of include like uh, ball boys like that. And it, it brings a sense of team spirit that maybe Mourinho doesn't have the time to build at the minute, but it, it at least kind of has that feel good atmosphere. And you can see his relationship with certain players already, like Hyungmin's son, he's come out and said like that he's in love with him already. And he can't even imagine how much, how much love like Pochettino and his staff would have had for him over five years. And Deli Ali clearly is flourishing under him as well. So yeah. Yeah. And uh, just wanted to touch on just um, a piece of news as well. Apparently Ericsson has told Mourinho definitively that he has absolutely no intention of signing a new contract. So given that he was the man against Olympiacos coming off the bench, what would be your like opinion on him going forward since he doesn't see his immediate future there? Do you think up until January, Ericsson should be coming off the bench instead of the likes of Lacelso, Or do you think we should only use him if we have to for, for the next couple of months? Yeah, yeah, I definitely wouldn't be using with him. Like I, as I said in the last part, I used to be a huge fan of his, but now just his attitude, I think, had a lot to blame with kind of Pochettino going, players like him having that attitude. Um, yeah, for me, I definitely be playing with Celso. Every time I've seen him, he looks really impressive. He looks composed. He look. I've only, I know he's only played a handful of minutes for us, but he's looked very good. And I've read kind of today. I've seen rumours that he's unhappy now about the lack of game time he's getting in Tottenham. And he, he kind of, well, they were saying he might push for a January transfer. I don't know. I can't see that happening. But, um, yeah, for me, he's shown so much more in the games he's played than Ericsson has. So, under no circumstances would I really be playing Ericsson in my team at all. Basically, just rotational if it had to be done. Um, and even with kind of Mourinho coming in and breathing new life into the team, Ericsson hasn't really performed. Uh, he hasn't, I know he had that, as we just touched on, he had that one free kick against the Biakos, which was brilliant. But, Apart from that, he just still doesn't seem bothered in the pitch. And I'd much rather have um, somebody like Lacelso given a chance to work his way into the team rather than kind of Ericsson just see out his contact with us and just kind of bring that kind of bad mood kind of across the team and across the fans. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, just going forward, just use him off the bench and as rotation. I think like there's no, not necessarily a problem starting him in games because obviously he's a very good player but yeah it just has to be part of a rotation I wouldn't necessarily see him in our strongest team anymore I don't think we should yeah I don't think that there's any point in that really anymore yeah but we've looked our best when we don't have Ericsson on the on the on the pitch that's when we looked our absolute best and yeah. the way kind of he has Ali playing now we don't it's not really as needed that kind of creative passing midfielder um like of course having him at his prime would have been great to have in this team but with the way Ali's playing, kind of so high up behind Kane, it's like we're just playing so fast and kind of we have the two wingers now. Well, I, I know against Bournemouth it was uh, kind of Sissoko was playing that role a bit, but um, 
yeah, having like Lucas and Son like coming off the wings, I'm not sure if it's as needed to have Ericsson as kind of the style we were playing under Poch, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think because we're getting the ball forward so much quicker than we would have been previously. Like we're hitting Kane a lot more, and Ali, like I think he's playing in his possess- best position now, and he's running with the ball a lot, so he doesn't necessarily. And need that link up play. Like I think he's feeding Son and Kane after he kind of opens up that space. So yeah, Eric's yeah. and uh yeah, just kind of stick on the but bench. When Ali, yeah. But when Delhi kind of drops off those defenders and comes kind of a bit deeper and the defenders then have to come forward to pick him up, it like creates that space for Son and Lucas and Kane to run into. Um and as you say, yeah, we're kind of like that was kind of summarized perfectly against Bournemouth. Like all three of our goals were kind of just going forward really quickly. So Toby either hit the ball up uh, forward twice really quickly or else playing from um, down the left wing and like basically Ali, Son flicking onto Ali and going back to Son. It's just so much quicker. And yeah, we look like our absolute best when we're trying to play like that. Yeah. And just moving on to Bournemouth, like I think uh, Alderweireld and Ali were probably the standouts in the game and, and Son as well. Like you could see the way that Alderweireld was playing from the back. You can see why Mourinho would have wanted him at Man United because it kind of just favours that style of direct play. Like Alderweireld can just pick out players, and he has that history of linking up with Ali with long, long passes for goals. Like I remember that goal against Everton a couple of years ago at Goodison Park. So he definitely has that in his game, and I think that's probably something we'll see a lot more of now. And uh, yeah. Who were your kind of like standout performers for the the Bournemouth game, would you reckon? Yeah, of course, Deadly and Toby were brilliant. The one I kind of thought from watching it live, I was actually was impressed with. Um, I thought he had a poor start to the game, but then in the second half, he was starting to show more of what I'd expect from him, um, Dyer. I thought he broke up a few kind of passes of play in the second half that he was kind of sliding in. Actually, he was quite high up the pitch, but he was breaking down there, kind of progressing the ball forward. And it allowed us to kind of maintain the momentum a lot. Um, yeah, as I say, the first half, I wasn't particularly impressed with him. But then that kind of period in the second half, it was great to see him do that again. Uh, Aurier, again, I think was actually very good. Um, he seems to be defending better as well. I'm not sure it's because he's doing less defending, but it <laughs> yeah. just seems like he's... It doesn't seem as we're getting really many issues down that that kind of uh, right wing at the moment. And when we did, um, towards the end, it was actually Suzoko who had who would let him uh, himself be beaten. So, yeah, kind of Aurier and Dyer are kind of two who we've been very critical of and all kind of Tottenham fans have recently. But I thought they kind of showed a bit uh, of, especially Dyer showed a bit of kind of coming back to form, which would be great to see because Jose kind of obviously really wants a player like him in the team. And we just don't have that at the moment apart from him. Yeah, definitely. And I think Sissoko was another performer who I forgot to mention. I thought he was outstanding in the way that he broke up the play and his goal <laughs> like not that we ever thought we'd see him score again yeah, like his shooting yeah. ability is so bad at times but like you'd have to say that was some finish that he got on the end yeah what a goal yeah yeah the atmosphere when that went in was like absolutely unbelievable like yeah, <laughs> it was one of the best goal celebrations i've seen in the stadium um, yeah. people are going absolutely mental there was a guy an old guy in front of us about 50 years old taking off his shirt and whipping it around his head celebrating it was it was brilliant. It was really funny. Um, but yeah, Sissoko, he kind of, he seemed to be playing in defence. He seemed to be playing kind of on the wing a bit more. Um, and then when we'd kind of transition to attack, he'd be like steaming through the middle. And he's so powerful when he's kind of running like that that it actually draws in a few defenders to him. 
uh, even though he's not really a goal at the end. But I thought I thought his shot actually uh, that led up to Sanchez's disallowed goal was actually a, seemed like a really decent shot. I'd love to have seen if that would have gone in if um, if Sanchez hadn't been in the way. Yeah, yeah, I think it might have done. And uh, but I suppose that that goal as well that was ruled out. It might have seemed harsh, kind of under the old rules, but I think it is a good rule going forward. If it if it hits your hand in any way leading up to a goal, just to rule it out, even though it was completely accidental, I think right decision in the end. And yeah, yeah I guess we got we got a kind of got away with one of those against City, didn't we? Because City yeah, scored yeah. late on, and then it was that exact thing. It was an accidental handball, and it got dislayed. Yeah, and uh, like I think the worrying bit for me was letting like another three goal lead kind of come within yeah. danger of letting that slip. Uh, yeah, just I think the way that we've been playing in Dombele, like he started his first game under Mourinho against Bournemouth. And I think the way that Ali, the way that he's positioned now in Dombele isn't going to have that license to kind of roam around freely on the pitch and use his attacking instincts, which... Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, Mourinho might find a way of getting the best out of him as well because he's done that with Aurier and Ali. And I don't I don't think playing in Dombele in a deep-lying position is the best place for him, even Agreed. though I think for the meantime, yeah. he probably will end up playing there. Yeah, I, I would have rather seen Suzoko and Dyer deep uh, as a two, maybe, and then Dombele in front of them, uh, kind of helping to link those, like, kind of that defensive midfield and then the attack that we have. I think he'd be... Decent at that kind of role. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the fact that Vertonghen had to make like a last ditch tackle oh, in the last yeah. minute. Like if we had let that go, my God. <laughs> that was almost like surreal when that ball broke through. I couldn't believe that was happening. I was like, I cannot believe we're gonna we're gonna draw this game. Um yeah. but yeah, it was such like such a good tackle to get back for that. So to be fair, the two Bournemouth players kind of were almost getting each other's way, which kind of helped as well. Um, yeah, it was like we didn't know which one of them was going to take it at one point, and it was, uh, yeah, a bit, a bit of a, a bit of a strange one. But I was so glad. Um, obviously, Vertonghen got back for that. I think when you were saying earlier as well about giving up the the leads and really struggling, um, it seems like we're okay until we concede one, and then we kind of panic and just think that every time they attack, we're gonna they're gonna score. So they obviously scored off that. It was a brilliant free kick, to be fair. Um, but it was kind of unnecessary of Sanchez to give the foul away on the edge of the box like that, like the ball yeah. had already gone. And just when we have that one goal go in, it's like the crowd, the players, everybody are just nervously kind of playing. And they, it's the feeling is that they're going to score again if there's enough time, um, which is going to be really worrying coming up against kind of bigger teams when we have to play. Like we've only played West Ham, who are absolutely awful at the moment, and then Biakos, who are rock bottom of our pool or our group. Um, and uh, Bournemouth, who are kind of pretty weak defensively. So, yeah, it's when we come against a proper attack, it'll be interesting to see how how our defence handles that. Yeah, yeah. And, um, like, even in the last minute, whenever I was having flashbacks of, say, it was Suzoko who who headed the ball back into the direction of our goal, which I have no idea why he did that. It was such a a weird decision in that moment because the momentum was with Bournemouth and you could sense the panic. And uh, yeah, it just reminded me of the the Barcelona game last year where Suzoko again headed it back in the direction of Kyle Walker Peters, and then Usman Dembele yeah. just made an absolute fool of him, just ran at him. But uh, luckily, we had Vertonghen instead of Kyle Walker Peters to save the day. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting for the United game 
which sees the return of Jose Mourinho to Old Trafford. And yeah, I think it's this is going to be our biggest test so far and the biggest indicator of how we're probably going to play under Mourinho going forward. Yeah. I think so. Um, yeah, there was, a, there was a good piece in uh, the ESPN as well by Mark Ogden about talking about timing and how Mourinho probably was the right man for United, but that just the way the, the club is structured, that he wasn't kind of allowed to be a success there. But it really feels like the timing is right for him at Tottenham with the squad that he has. And personally, I'd be really disappointed if we didn't go there and win. Um, with the with the injuries they have at the minute, Pogba's ruled out and McTominay is probably going to be injured as well. And the midfield that United probably are going to be playing tomorrow is pretty weak by their standards, like Andrea, Andreas Pereira. He's been criticized heavily by United fans. They don't think he's good enough to play for them. And yeah, I think just the amount of defensive issues they have, like I know they have the the talents of Rashford and Martial, who at any given moment, they can produce a bit of skill and score brilliant goals against us. But I would be very disappointed if we didn't pick up a point at least. And I think Mourinho relish going there as well. Advertonman starting at left back. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to think. Yeah, I probably would. Because if you're a man, yeah, I probably would because Aurier will he'll be starting at right back, and then I think it's more important that we're a bit more defensive minded for a tough away trip like that. So yeah, I, I'd go with uh, Vertonghen there as well. Would you? Yeah, I think I definitely would play Vertonghen because I guess the ultimate choice now is Rose with Davies out, unfortunately, and. Rose has been so poor defensively um, he's like another one who just seems to have completely dropped off his head's not in the club anymore um, for Tongan, I know against Dortmund last year when he played at left back he was by man of the match, he was absolutely superb um, I, I, I granted at that time kind of most of his brilliance was from kind of his attacking which we don't really need from him anymore uh, given the way Mourinho kind of structures the fullbacks but yeah it'd be great to have him there just so solid and then have Oye do kind of his free his um, free roaming role, and then as you say, like with with um, Pogba and McTominay ruled out, uh, we kind of have a chance to kind of dominate that Man United midfield, and hopefully then if we can do that, it'll stop kind of players like Rashford uh, getting like really quick ball and being able to run at us and attack us. Um, so yeah, I'd hope to see that, and then hope to see um, I hope to see this also if he is going to be coming onto the pitch play. Um, play, uh, yeah, instead of Ericsson. Uh, if he's going to come off, bring someone off the bench or even maybe start him. I don't know, I didn't feel like Dyer, Winkson and Domblay, um, oh, sorry, it was Dyer, Sissoko and Domblay, wasn't it? On, on Against Bournemouth. So, was that the uh, Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that is the best going forward. I don't know what you would think. I think I'd probably rather have our midfield look slightly different to that. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know, maybe kind of drop out Sissoko in that to Yselso or someone like that I prefer I don't know what you think yeah I think like so far we've played like those two deep line midfielders and then uh, Son Ali and Lucas behind Kane but I think we might even change formation for the for the United game we could end up playing three in midfield like I imagine Dyer will probably play and Winks might come in this time and uh, Ndombele as well but well, Sissoko for an away game is probably more suited to this, even though I'd rather see Ndombele play. I'd imagine, yeah, he'll probably yeah. pick Sissoko, Dyer, and Winks, and then play Kane, Son, and Ali. 
as a front three. I think the problem I think with the way he puts Winks in is that I don't know if Winks is suited to sitting so deep as he has them. He doesn't really that's not really his kind of style. He's not in midfield or not like a CDM who's going to break up the play for you. So then it becomes you're kind of playing Winks in not his best position. You're playing Ndombele in not his best position. You're playing Suzoko in not his best position. Uh, and it becomes, yeah, like what we talked about before where it was a great thing about Marina was he was playing kind of our forwards in all their best positions. He's, I think feel like the midfield still needs to be kind of worked out as to what, what our best midfield is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's probably Mourinho's biggest issue after the defence like if we can keep clean sheets, I think with the attacking threat that we have, we're going to win a lot of games for like the Christmas period as well. Like it's amazing how quickly everything has turned around for us. We're only six points off Chelsea, like them losing to West Ham. I think uh, it's all going in a good direction. And yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how like the midfield plays. And I think if, say, if an Ndombele or a La Celso were to, to have a really big game against United, I think that could shape the way our midfield goes i think there hasn't really been a standout yeah. performance from any of our midfielders so far under Mourinho. like i'm not including ali in this like i'd include him as like an attacker now so yeah, yeah. i think once we find the person to build our midfield around like i think dyer is like a player who he really trusts who necessarily might have repaid that trust so far but i think uh Ndombele probably is the man who could be that. Like he could become our like Michael Essien, that kind of that all-round player who does a bit of everything, who has a goal threat and has that power. So yeah, I'm excited to see who he goes with in midfield. But what, what about Lucas? Kind of expecting to be underwhelmed in terms of maybe playing it safe, going Winks, Dyer, Sissoko. But uh, yeah, I hope Lestelso might get a, a run out there. To kind of give a bit more creativity, maybe maybe drop Winks actually play Suzoko, yeah. Suzoko Dyer and uh, and Dombele or Lo Celso. What, what about Lucas? I mean, he's um, it seems like running against that main line defense, he would do like a job turning them inside out. And that game was it last season or two seasons ago where he he completely dominated and scored those two brilliant goals. Um, I feel like Jose might put back in Lucas for this one. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point, actually. Yeah, it was last season he had a, a brilliant game. Like, he single-handedly destroyed United on his own. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see but, that. But, yeah, I have really no idea how Mourinho's going to, how he's going to line us up for the weekend or the midweek game, actually. But um, Yeah, it's so interesting. It would be great, though, if we, like, so important to maintain momentum. It'd be a huge boost if we could win this game. Um and then, like United have City the next week, so they're going to be kind of dropping further down the table. Presumably, they're going to get rid of Ali soon enough, aren't they? Yeah, uh, Pochettino is the the talk at the minute, and Arsenal. But I think that the Arsenal talk has kind of gone away at the minute. But yeah, the interesting thing with Pochettino is that um, there was reports which were actually incorrect that he'd have to pay back his. Uh, payout that he got as a result of getting sacked which was 12 million or him and his coaching staff got around that amount but the the situation is that he would so say whatever money he has at the minute that say if he were to get offered the united job he would have to kind of give up the rest that he's entitled to and united would yeah, also have yeah. to negotiate a fee with levy which 
is a bit bizarre, but it's kind of <laughs> the perfect summary of Levy that he still has Pochettino yeah, under his control. <laughs> yeah, it's classic Levy, all right. Um, so what do you reckon then tomorrow we can um, we'll come away with three points? For me, I think I'd love to see us come with three points. I just think the first big test with Jersey will probably get a draw, a, sc- a score draw. Obviously, I can't see either defences holding out <laughs> with zero goals conceded. Yeah, definitely not, actually. But, yeah, Mourinho, he sets up for big games not to lose, not necessarily to win. So, yeah, I'd say a draw is probably the most likely result, but I definitely think we can win. And uh, it depends how the game goes, but say if we're leading at half time or something like that and we end up drawing the game, I'd be disappointed. But if you were to offer me uh, a score a draw, a score a draw now, I probably would. Um Actually, think, I wouldn't take it. I want the win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that given that Jose, kind of, he used to always be renowned for that, for like setting up teams not to win. Do you think that he, one of the things he talked about when he came was about learning from past mistakes? I'm not sure that was a mistake he used to do, but I don't know, given the strength of our team and where our kind of quality lies, I don't know if he really can set up our team at the moment to not lose. It's almost like we have to play attacking football because otherwise... We know we will concede. It's about like scoring more. So he might be forced to actually just go for it. You know, traffic, which would be really interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. Because we've only we've only kept one clean sheet this season, which is so bad. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, I definitely agree. We should just go for it, even if we do end up ending up uh, lining up more defensively just to go for it. Because I think there is a lot of lot of potential there for us to go there and make a statement win. And Mourinho would love that, wouldn't he? Yeah, but then like their defence in their midfield at the moment is going to be so poor. So it's like the opportunity really is there for us to kind of dominate that game and not let kind of their attack, which can be when it's go- when it's going well, their attack can be quite good. Not let um, kind of guys like Daniel James and Rashford kind of run the show a bit. Um, I prefer to see us go out and just try and compete, like get them on the back foot, dominate their midfield, and just kind of use attack as the best form of defence kind of thing. Yeah. So probably as like a, a final point, what would your score prediction be? And then we can revisit this for the next podcast. Um, yeah, I'll probably stick with the score draw. Probably go from like 2-2 at Old Trafford, same as they had against um, Villa uh, at the weekend. Yeah, probably 2-2 for me. Okay, and I'd probably go, I'll go for another 3-2 win. And Tottenham will win 3-2. <laughs> I'd love that. I'd take that. Yeah, I think that could be pretty likely. Okay, so uh, thanks again, Luke, for joining me. Uh, hopefully, so last week for those official statistics, 24 of our listeners were listening to the first episode. So hopefully we can break the 30 big numbers. barrier mark. Yeah, big numbers. All the sponsors listening should be aware of that. Major <laughs> untapped audience here. Exactly. And if you are looking at uh, the demographic of it, it's probably, was it out of, the, out of that 24 I'd say maybe two are coming from outside of South County Dublin. So, <laughs> yeah, whatever sponsors, if you feel like your niche is within that barrier, like with a potential to enter the English market, get in touch <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we'd be delighted to collab. <laughs> yeah, a huge Tottenham fan base in South County Dublin. <laughs> but anyway, thanks again, Luke, and looking forward to doing the next podcast. Thanks again. Thanks, Jay. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs.